Hello, everybody. Welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And we will be closing out October with When a Stranger Calls. And you know, if it was set today, the scariest thing is that Verizon would want to charge you $14.95 extra a month just to have Murderer Likely show up on your phone every time it rang. (laughs) (laughs) Have you checked your extended warranty? (laughs) Yeah, this week we're going over the, I'm going to say classic movie, 1979. It's, it's thrown up there to be considered a classic, yeah. It's yeah. considered a classic. Yeah. Well, Fringe. And I, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, up against the 2006 uh, remake that has Clark Gregg for a little while. I mean, it's also got Tessa Thompson. It's it's actually got some names. Just they they took the uh, uh, probably lowest quality name that no one's ever heard of and put her in ninety five percent of the movie. Right. Although I kept expecting the cop to beat up, try and beat up Jim. I don't know. It was distracting. Uh, yeah. yeah, I recognize him immediately as well. We'll, well, get, we'll get there. there too. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> So if you'd like to get in touch with us and give us a show idea or give us some feedback, you can actually go to our feedback page now at 40go14 backslash feedback for all sorts of ways to get in touch and to support the show. So everything is in one spot now. Sweet. That makes 40go14. Yeah. Dot com backslash feedback. Thank you. Of which we have none. No, we don't have <laughs> any right now. As far as I know. All right. Yeah, I got nothing. So... Oh, well. There you go. Sit here all lonely like. <sighs> Together. Until it's about that time. Is it? It is about that time. Oh. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. Yes, this week we're going with October 26th. 1979, which was the premiere of When a Stranger Calls. Yes. All right. So music. The number one song in the land was Rise by Herp Alpert. I'm going to say I don't know this song, but I'm pretty sure I do. Yeah, that's that sounds about right when it comes to Herb Alpert. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just going to say we all know it, but you'd know it if you heard it. I'll add I'll, I'll I'll add the video to the show links just so we don't get stung <laughs> here. Um, moving on, Paul McCartney was awarded the title of most successful songwriter of all time by the Guinness Book of World's Record Committee on October twenty fourth, with a ceremony that included a custom cake made to resemble an actual Guinness Book and a special one of a kind ceremonial disc made of rhodium, the most rare of precious metals. With 129 of the songs he has written, co-written, charting in the UK, Paul McCartney lays claim to the most songs to feature in the UK singles chart. An astonishing 91 of his singles reached the top 10, with 33 of those making it to number one. That is impressive. Yeah, I mean, even if you are contrarian by nature, like there's only a couple other people in the conversation, and I don't think anyone can say that... uh, even like Bob Dylan is in the same weight class as Paul McCartney when it comes to success. I would. Yeah, I think that's fair because there's there's definitely people that have written or had songs that 
people know, but to lay claim to that many in that high of positions, that's, yeah. Uh, that's crazy. I, I Can you imagine that feeling just thinking like, I've written this many songs and this many made it to like the top of the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Now, in case you were wondering, Rhodium. <laughs> oh, yes. We went to college with her. Yeah. Yes, we did. <laughs> Janice Rhodium. No, Christy. Uh, Christy. Oh. Oh, uh, So gold, well, okay, this article was written in 2021. Gold was $1,783 an ounce. Uh, Platinum was $959 an ounce. Palladium, $1,800 an ounce. Give a guess, how much was an ounce of rhodium in December of 2021? I assume it's more than those that you've given us so far. Yes, it is the it is the most expensive rare metal on Earth. Okay. Uh, $100. I'm going <laughs> uh, to say $3,700 an ounce. Josh, you got to guess? one Damn it. <laughs> $14,000 an ounce. Aha, see? Did I win? <laughs> yes, Pat, you won. Yay. Go back to sleep. Nobody's landed. <laughs> I love that reference. <laughs> I, I, I drop it all the time and no one ever gets it. I think you and I are the only two that ever get that reference when it's dropped. Yeah. That's right. crazy. $14,000. An ounce. And they made, and they didn't make like when I'm sure when they say they made a disc, they made a record. Oh, right, because of the time frame. The, yeah, CDs didn't exist yet. Yes, there was. They, so they had a rhodium disc with 129 songs on it. Huh. Wait, that's yeah, the most rare. That okay with the hundred? No. Okay, am I that's, reading that? That's one? a separate sentence. Oh, okay. With 129 songs he has written and co-written, he lays claim to the most. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, would, I thought that it had 129. Okay, just yeah, like, the you know, ceremonial. Give, oh, go ahead, Pat. It's just like you give silver albums and gold records and things like that. This is just uh, okay. the rhodium, yeah. Yeah. He's the only, that, he's the only was, one that ever had one or got one. What I was going to say is the rhodium probably was just decorative. Okay. Didn't have any songs like, on it. Plated, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, it's plated, framed, and all that shit. <laughs> 129 songs and one. Thing's three yards long. How are we going to play this? This thing weighs as much as my car. Don't drop it. All right. All right. Moving on. Ramon Tiki Fullwood. Man, that's a great name. Uh, was the drummer for the funk bands Parliament and Funkadelic, as well as a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, inducted in 1997 with 15 other members of Parliament Funkadelic. Fullwood also played drums in the Tyrone Davis Band and the chairman of the board between stints with P-Funk and later was briefly employed by Miles Davis. Fullwood died of stomach cancer on October 29th. In 2016, Rolling Stone ranked Fullwood at number 39 in its 100 greatest drummers of all time, and in 2013, Spin ranked him at number 76 in its 100 greatest drummers of alternative music. He was absorbed. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. 39 you know, minutes. Yeah. Until uh, it was put out like this, I, I never realized that Parliaments and Funkadelic were originally separate bands. I, I've always heard of them together as Parliament, Funkadelic, or P Funk. Yeah. yeah two different bands that right. joined up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
just one of those things that uh, it makes sense when you hear it. But yeah, never knew. Yeah, they started off as a doo wop band, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, kind of like uh, I was not. not- I George Clinton and, and his boys, yeah, they were—they literally were like a doo-wop band. Oh, you're serious? I'm deadly serious. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't the Whalers also like Bob Marley's yeah. thing yeah. as well? Like, yeah. A lot, a lot of Jamaican acts start as as doo-wop because that's like one of the first things that made it to Jamaica was was doo-wop music. Oh. I thought Hello. you were screwing with us. <laughs> nope. That's why most Norwegian bands start off as doom metal. Then they then they go to doo-wop. Then they go to reggae. <laughs> The circle did, of life. Then they go to a Yan, <laughs> then they go to a Yanni cover band. Oh, live at the Acropolis. Yanni cover band, you asshole. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think Yanni, it's time to move on to movies. The top movie in the land was the Blake Edwards classic Ten, starring Dudley Moore and Bo Derek. Blake I, Edwards didn't have a lot of middle middle of the road stuff. It was either really good or what the hell, Blake. Yeah. I remember seeing ads for this as a kid uh, and being like, man, it looks like it's probably kind of, you know, like naughty. Kinda and I don't think I've ever seen it. It's pretty good. It's entertaining. Yeah, it's all right. Is that again? Joel, I think I'm with you on this. Like, I always think I assumed I saw it, but thinking about it, I'm not sure I ever actually did. It's worth seeing once, but you know, I would. I'd, it's not worth watching like several times. Like Dudley Moore being classic Dudley Moore when he's trying to seduce Bo Derek, pretty funny. I mean, it falls to me into the same kind. Like I put that in Bolero in the same sentence for some reason. Like I feel like they're well. That the big seduction scene was set to you know she put it. She she her big thing was she always had sex to to Bolero. So that was big funny. Like the whole comedy thing going on. Well, She's trying to be sexy and he's trying to be sexy and Blair's going on at the same time. It's all—it's a big comedy scene. Pretty funny. Huh. All right. And things keep going wrong and he has to keep going over the record player and starting the song over and stuff. It's Also released this week were the Al Pacino and Jeffrey Tambor film and Justice for All and Meteor with a star, all-star cast of Sean Connery, Henry Fonda, Carl Malden, Natalie Wood, and Martin Landau. Huh. I've never even heard of that movie. Meteor? Yeah. That was one of the another one of the global... Um, Disaster flick? Yeah. Huh. Is it like the Armageddon of the day? There was always something. There, it, what's the tagline? Five miles wide. It's coming at... Oh, man. Well, there... Wait a second. There's another show. Um, a five-mile-wide meteor coming to Earth to hit the Earth. What do they do to save themselves? Put that one up against Armageddon. They, and and the, the theme song to Meteor was, I'd like to make sure that I see everything. I mean, Armageddon was like 25 years ago. Yeah, it was 1998. Jesus, man, we're doing... <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, I... I don't think Armageddon is now. It's so it's Santa Claus all over again. Yep. <laughs> all right. Or, uh, wait, there's another meteor. Wait, there's got to be another meteor movie. There was, but it was uh, at the same year as Armageddon. Deep Impact Meteor yep. Man. We'll workshop it. Maybe they'll <laughs> maybe they'll remake it. All right, Graham Ashley. Born April 26, 1927, was an actor known for Star Wars, Episode Four: A New Hope, The Avengers, 
not that one. And BBC <laughs> Sunday Night Theater. He died on October 30th. Uh, he is the first credited Star Wars cast member to pass away, dying even before the film's first sequel was released. He played Red 5, the stay-on-target X-Wing pilot. Aw. Oh. Absorbed, man. That sucks. He, he probably got one of the on most target. quotable Star Wars quotes of all time. Yeah. And if you told me that the stay on target guy, Red 5, was born in 1927, like that would not have computed. But like Star Wars was a long time ago. Right. I mean, he was 50 when he was played Red 5. So. Came out about the same he, time as Armageddon, right? He was our, yeah. our age when he played Red 5. So, obvi- I mean, I bet you... I bet you anything he probably did a little bit of behind the scenes, like special effects type work. <laughs> and then you're just like, here's your reward. You're going to, we're going to make you one of the X wing pilots. I thought you were going to say he's about our age. I'm guessing we're probably going to be going pretty soon too. <laughs> so I'm just like, one him. of us going to be gone soon. Cross my fingers. It's me. <laughs> Stay on target, Patrick. Stay on target. <laughs> the way I, I had a death star. Parking. I could crash myself into <laughs> I'm sorry, Joshua. Never mind. It's not going to work the second time. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) All right. So TV, top shows in the land are 60 Minutes, Three's Company, MASH, and That's Incredible. I missed that show. That's incredible. Oh. You can say 60 Minutes is still on. Still going. (laughs) The dead corpse of Andy Rooney is still ranting. Got him all puppeted uh, up. His, his eyebrows are still running around sentient. <laughs> oh, the hell was that? The Vanny Rooney's caterpillar eyes. Don't, don't let it sting you. Uh, born October 27th. Uh, Melanie Vallejo is an Australian actress who is best known for voicing Madison Roca, the blue mystic ranger in Power Rangers Mystic Force. And Sophie Wong in the television series Winners and Losers. Good job, Melanie. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I know who she is. I I do not. But moving on. John Burke Krasinski, born October 20th, is an American actor and filmmaker best known for his role as Jim Halpert on The Office, on which he also served as a producer and occasional director throughout its nine-season run. Krasinski is a recipient of a number of accolades, including four Primetime Emmy Award nominations, two Screen Actors Guild Awards. His films include License to Wed, Leatherheads, It's Complicated, Promised Land, and the acronym of the week is BLH. B-L-W-H-M. That's not no. That's an I. B-I-W-H-M. I'm pretty sure I know what that is. That's a burning incense while high, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. That is uh, Brief Interviews with Hideous Men, which he also produced, just FYI. Oh, don't know that one. Me either. You always get so close, Josh. 
But uh, in 2018, Krasinski co-wrote, directed, and starred along with his wife, Emily Blunt, in the critically acclaimed horror film A Quiet Place. That year, he began portraying the title character in the Amazon thriller series Jack Ryan, which he also produces. In addition to acting in television series and films, Krasinski has performed voiceover work in both animated and documentary films such as... (laughs) The documentary Monsters University and Shrek the Third. <laughs> Burke, huh? John Burke Krasinski. Yeah, right. What yeah. an interesting middle name. Why? It's such a stopper. Like, hey, look, it's John Burke Krasinski. You know, you got to like stop and st- that doesn't flow. It's that one syllable name. Yeah, it's like a period in the middle of a sentence. John Burke Krasinski. You know, I said I was going to get back to watching more Jack Ryan after we did the show on it, and I never did, and I'm a little sad about it, because I really enjoyed that when we watched it, it for the show. Yeah, it's good. It's good series. And I like the character. And I like Krasinski. Needs more monsters, though. You like John Burke Krasinski? That's the problem. I, I, it's, 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 two, it's two Ks in a row is the main problem. You're going... John Burke Krasinski. When I when I heard you guys reading it, because I wasn't looking at the page when you were reading it, <clears throat> so I thought he, I thought uh, Mike said Bert. I was like John Bert. I don't know what's worse. I think Burke. John Burke. Hey Burke. Hey Burke. <laughs> Moving on to sports. 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 On October twenty third, the New York Islanders won over the Pittsburgh Penguins six to three. While setting an NHL record, Anders Lee's goal with 27 seconds remaining of the third period was followed by Nikolai Kuhlman's empty netter with 24 seconds left. The two scores in three seconds set a team record and tied an NHL record accomplished only twice before. So, like, the, the score was 3-3, was three to three and they scored with 27 seconds left. So the other team pulled their goalie to try to score with the last 27 seconds. And in the faceoff, they won the faceoff, and a guy just shot a, a half-court puck right Jeez. into their goal peak. Okay, now we're up 5-3. Good luck. Nice. <laughs> well, that gambit worked. Yep. And then they, they almost set another record because before the end of the game, with that last 24 seconds, they, they hit another goal with an empty net. Ended up, that's how they won 6-3. And then lastly... Michael Kendall Flanagan was an American professional baseball left-handed pitcher who spent 18 years as a player in Major League Baseball. His only Cy Young Award was won on October 30th for his 23-win season in 1979. Mike Flanagan is also a filmmaker, but not the same one. You don't know that. I do know that. Oh, all right. Play us off, keyboard Joel. Burke. Okay, so the year, 1979. Movie, When a Stranger Calls, is released. This is directed by Fred Walton, who has done such wonderful things, such as April Fool's Day in 1986. Uh, No, he didn't. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. Have you ever seen that one, Pat? You might actually like it. It's It's a pretty good... 80 slasher. Is it, is it a spoof slasher one? Nope. No, no, no. That's, that's, Friday, that's Saturday the 14th. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he also did The Rosary Murders with uh, Donald Sutherland and bringing back Charles Durning. 
I don't think he's doing ah. the same character though. But so you got that behind you. The last uh, movie this guy did was a TV movie called The Stepford Husbands. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Yeah, this is also written along with uh, Fred, good old Fred Walton, by Steve Feek. Feek. I don't know. Steve Feek, uh, who is known for writing such things as what a stranger calls Mac and Me. Oh, God. Ooh. Poltergeist 3. He's <laughs> <laughs> not getting uh, better. Yeah. We're, we're, um, the TV show of Beastmaster. Oh. <sighs> Yikes. And finally, the last thing. Oh, he's. Uh, Pluto Nash. <laughs> Did you know there was a Kojak series in 2005? Uh, no, we're not doing that show. A Kojak, like a TV series? Yeah. Uh, with who? With Ving Rames as Kojak. <laughs> that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. I was going to say, I, now that you say Ving Rames, I do remember that having happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's got look mm-hmm. uh Ving Rames, Chaz Palmentary. And no shot. Yeah, and lasted what did it last? One one season. Yep. Huh. Oh, poor Ving. So currently, when a stranger calls is sitting at a thirty-eight critic and forty-nine percent viewer on Rotten Tomatoes. Ouch. Yeah, right? Sounds a about right. Yeah. I mean, I was, when I, when I first, did, I did the show notes before I did the, I watched the movie and I checked, checked some, and then I was like, no, that seems really, God, that seems long. And then I watched the movie and I'm like, eh, no, that, gotta say I'm with him on this one. Uh, and, so, and I did not hate this, like, I, but, to the, well, it's, it's got some issues. We'll, we'll, we'll get there real we'll short. I'm almost there. I'm a sir. All right. So summary, a psychopathic killer terrorizes a babysitter and then returns seven years later to menace her again. Thanks. After menacing Colleen Dewhurst for a while. Yeah. Uh, we have Carol Kane as Jill Johnson, Ritanya Alda as Mrs. Mendricus, Carmen Argazano as Dr. Mendricus, Charles Durning, very abrupt close-up when that door opens, is John Clifford, <laughs> Ron O'Neill, as Lieutenant Charlie Garber. Did you guys recognize Char- uh, Ron O'Neill? He was in Hill Street, or Hill Street Blues. He was also, he's also in, Rocky. in the Superfly movies. Yeah, he's yeah, he, done a lot of... Yeah, he was in Rocky. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. like uh, Rachel Roberts is Dr. Monk. Um, and again, she was in... We just did a show, uh, not just, uh, Murderer on the Orient Express. She was the uh, angry, angry maid or angry, angry servant. Angry, for the, angry hippo. Yeah. <laughs> Tony <laughs> Beckley as the murderer, Kurt Duncan, and then Colleen Dewhurst as Tracy. I'm sorry. Carmen Arganziano sounds like, uh, can I get some more Arganziano on this pasta, please? Mm-hmm. That's, he sounds like a it, side dish. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have fresh Arganziano. Sorry. Now uh-huh. you, look, you look at his face though, and you think he's been in a bunch of like really cool and crazy stuff, but it's like everything he's been in, he either plays, uh, his, his characters either have like 
a military title or a police title. It's always like General Boone or Captain Pinelli, and it's in stuff like Broken Arrow and Blue Streak. Although he wasn't macking me as the wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! That's Lieutenant Major wheelchair to you. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry. I All right. Go so, to police academy to be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So trivia for then, though th- throughout the opening segment, director Fred Walton gradually increased the feeling of suspense by making each subsequent phone call uh, ring a touch louder than the previous one. They escalate from quietly eerie to jarring to finally infuriating. You know, and, and as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, how are these phone calls? How are these ringing phone getting so menacing? And that kind of answers that. Yeah. You get tough for them. Ring, ring, ring. Now get tough with him. Ring, 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 ring. Also, Tony Starr Beckley was terminally ill throughout the production, and because of this, he did not fit the description of the killer, but Fred Walton refused to recast him because they were good friends. He passed away just after principal photography was shot, and uh, Fred Walton dedicated the film's 1993 sequel, When a Stranger Calls Back to the Memory of Beckley. I'm sure he was like <laughs> up there like, thank you. Nobody's ever going to see that. <laughs> also, this I think this is trivia Joshua like. The phone number of the house where the character Jill Johnson is babysitting is 555-2368. This is the same house phone number used by Jamie Lee Curtis's house in the movie Forever Young with Mel Gibson. It's also used as a phone number in the film Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And was the phone number for the Ghostbusters in 1984. I only knew that because of the Ghostbusters connection. Hmm. Ready to believe you. Ring, ring. Have you checked the Slimer? Okay, going back one bullet point real quick before we move on. Uh About him him dying? He passed away just after the principal photography was shot. Right. They had enough time to put in like a little, you know. Right. Like, why did he wait till the sequel? Like, they could have put something in the credits in the whatever. Like, oh it's, yeah, by the way, this this is this dude's last performance. Good job. Thanks for right. In our movie. It, it was it was one one board they could have stuck up there at the very end of the movie. Yeah. I mean, if they were good friends, maybe it was still too fresh, and he was still like struggling with the fact that his his buddy died. I call bullshit. Patrick, if you if you die, I'll put up like a, a yeah. The very next show, thing. it better be like yeah. you know, a little in memoriam. Like you don't wait like three shows and be like, oh yeah, by the way, like hey, I'm Mike. Pat's dead. <laughs> hey Pat, if you're gonna call bullshit, it's five 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 two three six eight. Nice. Uh, I'll allow it. Yeah. So was this a first viewing for any of us? No, 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 no. definitely was not. This- but I. I think this is another one of those that I saw on the movie, like movie of the afternoon type of thing. That shit was Wild West, man. It's the movie of the afternoon. So, Josh, this is a classic horror movie. In my opinion, for the first 20 minutes. Exactly. Uh, You have an iconic urban legend. Uh, and a great performance by Carol Kane, and then an hour of boring bullshit. They could have cut out every. I mean, I like Charles Durning. I think he's a great actor. I love him in his stuff. He has a definite thing that he does. You could have cut 
all that stuff out and just skip straight ahead seven years to them going out and made that a little bit longer. And, and you would have had a 90-minute movie. Well, and he's a little bit of an odd choice because here's this rather robust Rotund, police officer. Uh, I was trying to be, you know, okay, rotund police officer. He looks like my grandfather. Yeah, he just, I mean. He ate your grandfather. Oh, my God. <laughs> Grandpa. <laughs> it just felt like a weird casting choice. And again, nothing against Charles Durning. He's a fine actor. But it just was a little strange. Uh, I, I really do enjoy Charles Durning, but just this was an odd casting choice. Yeah, yeah. Sure. There, there were some of the fight scenes. I was like, "Man, this is just <laughs> like John. This is just like John Wick." I watched this movie with my mom. My mom, you know, because okay, spoiler John alert. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Spoiler alert. This is one of my favorite horror movies. I know it's got problems, but it's it's like a family favorite. We, you know, we, we watched it as a family when we were young. It was something that we watched when my sister started babysitting just to torment her. Nice. That explains a lot. And she could never get through a, a night of babysitting anywhere without calling my mom in a panic. So that backfired badly. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it really is. If you read reviews of the film, like all of the reviews say, you know, the first 20 minutes is spot on, but then the rest of it is just problematic. Well, the way uh-huh. the way that I describe this movie is, you know, and I even said this to Joel the other day when we were, you know, randomly talking. I was like, it's 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 basically like it's a it's a sandwich of a movie. It's like the bread is really good and the inside is very bland, but you know, I think the 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 bread is good enough that it it, it lifts the movie enough that mm-hmm. the in they I don't think if you cut that middle out, it makes the movie better i just think the middle needs to rise up a little bit more i think you need that little bit in between you need to see like like life go on and you need to see carol kane like like kind of almost be a different person at the end and suddenly because it really makes that moment in the restaurant when he just said you know she picks up the phone all like normal completely forgotten about him and he just says that phrase and it makes it like a like turns your your bowels to water moment kind of thing you know like yeah. And you really and, can sympathize with her at that point. Were that like, okay? I, I, think if you just went, that, I think if you just put up a card said seven years later, and then they're in the restaurant, it doesn't it doesn't hit as hard. No, they need. And I agree with you on that, that. There needs to be the the middle part needs to be there. There just needs to be less of it. And it needs and we to, need to not know, be boring. That, and it wouldn't hurt. Well, I mean that that a lot of that like, feet of Colleen Dewhurst. She's just not a very appealing actress in in, in any way. You know, I don't know. You can lay that at the feet of the performance, though. Like, just the script is not good. Like the writing is the 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 the, yeah the writing the dialogue itself is very clunky. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I think the performances are are mostly good. Like Tony Beckley, I think is great. Yeah, the parents at the beginning were kind of robotic. Uh huh. They don't give him a whole lot to do. You've got him being homeless and crazy. We still don't know why he does what he does, what he really is about as a person or a killer. And the most exciting thing that happens in the entire hour is him falling off a table and somehow miraculously being back on his feet and Charles Durning throwing a lockpick at him for no reason. Right. Well, yeah, like I said, I'm not going to say that it doesn't have its issues and it couldn't be be improved by some things, but I'm just saying one of the things that I like about him as a character is that really is a scary thing. Like some 
crazy motherfuckers out there don't even don't need a motive. They're just fucking crazy. Yeah. And like someday they're just gonna some crazy could just break into your house and pieces with his bare hand because your door just happened to be unlocked for five minutes while you took the trash out or something. And that I mean, and that to me is is a scary concept. Yeah, I, I, I'm also a little uncomfortable with that idea just because, like, I, I most people who have mental illness are not dangerous. And, like, that's a whole other conversation that's a yeah, problem in horror and media. Yeah. As somebody that pretty much has mental illness, is, you know, undi- undiagnosed, I agree with that. That doesn't mean they don't exist. That's why you make a movie about them. Yeah. I got to say, Charles Durning with that lockpick or that, throwing pike or whatever he had he was pretty good with it he should have brought more (laughs) he should have brought a lot more and he should have still brought his gun regardless right Right. yeah if he's going to say i'm going to kill this guy for what he did that's fine why if we establish at the end of the movie that he owns a gun why didn't he bring it Mm -hmm. yeah i i think i think it makes sense that he wants to do it in this way that maybe might look you know a, a little less suspicious than shooting a guy down. Like he might be able to cover that up a little better or whatever. <laughs> this guy must but... have picked himself to death. <laughs> no, I'm saying like, it's easier to, to hide a stab wound on a guy that just looks like a homeless man who just died in the street. Whereas you find a homeless man who's shot, you might investigate that. But if you just find him dead in the street, like you stab him with a little tiny needle thing, let him bleed out, put him in the street. That's another homeless guy. You can't do that when you shoot somebody. Well, I mean, you shouldn't do that when you, sh- I don't know, but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, he, it was a very, very poorly thought out, you know, whole, whole plan of attack because not only should Charles Durning not be engaging in any kind of foot races, he should definitely not be using anything that requires close to close, you know, close hand to hand combat. Dexterity based weapons are not his thing. Yeah. Just get a gun and just shoot him. Like, you know, right. and why, and why tell your buddy, why tell your buddy, just go shoot him. Like, find him and shoot him and be like, yeah, he tried to kill me, too. He was going to tear me to pieces. I had to shoot him. Why tell him? Was yeah. this guy shanked with a shiv or shiv with a shank? I don't know. <laughs> it was a lock pick, <laughs> I think. Shiv, shiv with a shank, That's he's a he's a Yiddish rapper. <laughs> <laughs> he tours with Modest Yahoo. <laughs> you just make yourself giggle, don't you? I do sometimes. <laughs> I miss my audience. Have you checked the kiss, 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 kiss? I can't say it. Stop. Kiss, 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 kiss. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. Have, have, you, have you checked the kashkalash? <laughs> Can I have juice? No, I mean, it. there were some scenes like, okay, first off, they Charles Durning shows up at the door. He's in, locked up in the mental institution where the head nurse Dr. What's her, what's her face uh, is literally no help. Yeah. She's a little bit, she's got a little bit of an attitude for someone that let a murderer escape. Right. Right. And that's like, sir, this is a hospital, not a prison. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> he killed when, two when children he stand, with their hands. When he just stands up and shuts the door, you're like, uh Oh, <laughs> you know, for a brief moment there, I'm like, man, this can get a real seventies here in a minute. This is, <laughs> He goes smack a bitch up. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, who who runs? You have a mental institution that you're holding a, a a psychotic murderer who apparently has attacked your own people, according to that recording. Right. And then you're like, 
oh well he got away yeah. well and your you know and your main response is oopsie yeah what the i'm gonna hell? run out and get some smokes is that okay uh yeah just be back uh <laughs> give you 10 all right is that cool yes okay. you give me your word you're not gonna kill anybody don't need any faces while you're out there okay and give me some ho-hos so then we catch up with kurt duncan in somebody's rumpus room have you checked the chicken that that bar where they started out at I, was literally, was that one was of those moments. Like, ever, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> the whole time I'm, I'm telling my mom, I'm like, at this point, I would have stepped in. Okay, at this point, I definitely would have kicked this guy out. Okay, now they're both kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> the point where she turned to him and said, "Get away from me," and he followed her. You would be like, "Done." Leave. Yeah, like, you know, it's the, like the second the second you she gets up and moves, and you get up and move with her. I'm like, "Yeah, you got to go. You're out of here." Yeah, and the bartender in this one's like gotta clean the glass <laughs> well but then he follows her back meets her at the in the apartment and she's like oh, why don't you just come on in for a while yeah no. this guy she walks away from her front door he, i was sitting watching with suzanne she's like lady do not walk away from that door and leave that open right like if that's all i had to do to get into somebody's apartment to get my ass kicked well I'm, you know somebody can punch me nope, Wait, no help. stop don't stop it guys stay home stay home <laughs> But uh, but no, that the the bars look like it was, took place in somebody's basement. Well, yeah, I've worked in those bars, so yeah. And then the guy, the guy playing pool, shows up. Absolutely, well, out was, of only, the air. was only a step above that, barely. Yeah. Lots of establishing shots. Seventies loved their establishing shots, didn't they? Now she's walking. They also upstairs. loved. They also really loved tunnels and clicking heels and you know like clop 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 like long shots of, of yeah walking. lots of feet in this one. Hmm. Well, I mean, I I liked it for the point that the first twenty minutes did it. I want to put out a call to all the parents who, when I worked at the video store, and told me they had a sleepover. And told me there were girls that babysat, and I gave them this movie. I'm really sorry. After the first 20 minutes, I'm really <laughs> and sorry. I'm, and I'm glad you didn't get me fired. Yes, but well, you got to admit too, like the very first time you saw this movie, when he when he just turns around and he's lying in the bed with her, that's a great scene. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, the last couple of seconds, and then the whole opening. Like basically, if Carol Kane is on screen, this is a good movie. Right. Right. And as much as I like Carol Kane, I don't think it's specifically just because of her. I just think those are the best written scenes in the whole movie. Yeah. If Charles but, uh, Durning is on the toilet, it's the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> but I, this movie, one of the things I really like about this movie is it does a good job of of misdirection and mood and ambiance. Like you know, the whole movie is all. It's, it's not about cheap ass scares, it, but it keeps setting you up like it's going to be a cheap scare, and then it's the, not. Yeah. Like, like in the very beginning when she's in the, on the uh, getting the ice cream out of the refrigerator. Yeah, the doors open. You expect that door shuts, murderer right there. They gave you so many of those moments where he was. You expected him to be standing there. Also, quick interjection: that house in the very first twenty minutes. How many canes does one man need? Well, if you're my dad, a lot. He has. He yeah. collects them. So yeah. S- same with my my father had about a dozen. So yeah. okay. Yeah. So this is apparently. Yeah, okay. it's, like a it's only only weird to me. Okay. Yeah, I have like three or four canes because I kept some of them. I mean, I have I have like candy canes, but I have no, a, like I have a sword cane. cane. I, I have a sword cane, a real actual one. 
Ooh, what are you from the Avengers? Not that one. Yeah, not that one. <laughs> Incidentally, I did watch When a Stranger Calls Back. Of course you did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. 1993, Jill Shale, Show, Shay, Shalen. I don't know how you say her last name. Shalen, J- Jill, Jill Shalen, I think is how you say it, is more of the lead, but Carol Kane's in it and Charles Durning is in it. Gotta say, it was an improvement over this. Really? Oh. What? And it was made for TV, although there was boobs in it. What? Wait, wait. Was it Charles Durning's boobs? <laughs> no, but it should have been. I mean, they take the, the original concept and they expand it in the first part of the movie. And then once it gets past that, instead of doing what they did here, they do something similar, but they do it in a much more effective way. And Charles Durning is still horribly miscast because he's got to chase the killer at one point. And it just, he's just like, Hey, stop buddy. Stop. Yeah, I, I love how all Charles Durning chase scenes are less than half a black long. Right. He's like, <laughs> they hey. have to be Yeah, Charles they, they Durning walk, and the he, fat man. He, he, he runs out and looks oh. around, takes, takes 10 steps in one direction. He goes, Oh, he, he got away. So Mike is just fat and the fat man, fat and the fat man. <laughs> so anyway, the the killer, uh, the, the in the opening scene, instead of him calling on the phone, he comes to the 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 house, and it's not this obviously not the same killer, but he comes to the house and he's like asking to use the phone because uh, he said his car's broken down, and he keeps coming back, and he's providing enough information that you feel like you start to get confident that maybe he is actually who he says he is. And the killer is it's a misdirection. Oh, and you know, then it kind of goes from there, but it's so effective the way that they handle it. And we've all kind of been in that situation where, you know, you maybe not where you have somebody coming to the door unannounced, but maybe. Um, and I, by the end of it, I was like, wow, that was really satisfying. You got to take a little bit of a leap of faith in terms of, how they handle the the the, the voice uh, if, instead of being on the phone, he's you hear his voice being projected. It's hard to explain without giving away a plot point, but uh, so there's now, a little bit of a leap of faith. But honestly, it felt to me it was a much more satisfying film. Now with we, the same who, concept. Who who did we think the guy painted up like the brick wall was? That was from When a Stranger Calls Back. Yeah, but who was that actually? Because we thought it was somebody else. You we thought, thought it was a guy C. from Soul Man. You see Thomas Hell, yeah. 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 Uh, oh, no. The actor, I don't know who the actor, the actor that plays the killer in that, you don't even ever really see his face, like, oh. clearly. See, that's cool. It's always obscured. That's, that's Even nice. till the end. Even when it's straight on, like, bright light, straight on shot, you still can't t- see his face clearly. Cool. Yeah. I, I definitely, uh, if you unlike Charles like Durkin. this. <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime for another like week. So if you like this movie and we'll, we'll get to the second one here soon, I would highly recommend watching the sequel. All right. Yeah. I might, I might actually do that. Maybe. Yeah. It's a possibility. Yeah. Like I, I uh, assumed that it would be a waste of time. I, I thought TV movie. No way. And I was wrapped, like, from that first, like, 10 minutes of the movie, I was tightly wrapped into it. And I'm like, okay, I got to see where this goes now. Cool. What do you think we've, uh, Charles Durning this enough? (laughs) 
What is that? Yeah, mean? I mean, we could talk about uh, him wandering homeless for another hour, but <laughs> I had to Matthew. watch that. Let's not do that. Yeah. We'll murder for food. <laughs> so crazy, Kurt. <laughs> All right, we will be back in a little bit, and we're going to talk about 2006's When a Stranger Calls. All right, we are back. We're going to talk about 2008, 2006, When a Stranger Calls. This is directed by Simon West. And what stuff has he done? He's done Con Air, Wild Card, The General's Daughter, and Laura Croft, Tomb Raider. Yep. It's not a bad resume. Not a, no, not terrible. Not a good one either. Uh, yeah. Expendables yeah, 2. I mean, yeah, there's uh, none of these are going to be like Oscar winners, but when you're talking like B quality blockbuster entertainment, like these are all movies we've heard of. Right. And Laura Croft, The General's Daughter, and Con Air were all done before this. Yeah. And I enjoyed all three of those movies. Agreed. Yeah. Oof. It was a fun watch. A general daughter, I wouldn't say is a fun watch, but yeah, well, def- okay, that- take that back. <laughs> and you guys know my position on Con Air. I think that movie's yeah, we know your position on a lot of things. Yeah, hot garbage and a walk, <laughs> right? And written by Jake Wade Wall, who you may know from writing 2007's The Hitcher, 2008's Amusement, and ready for it, Joel. 2019's Jacob's Ladder. Now we, we did, did the Hitcher before on this show too, didn't we? Nope, nope. I think we oh, talked okay. about it, but we never did it. Yeah, the Sean did, Bean one. Yeah, we did Jacob's Ladder though. Yes, yeah, oh, for that was, sure. That was trash. Yeah, it was four thumbs down. Yeah, yeah, hot trash the, all over there. This is the currently Hitcher. sitting on Rotten Tomatoes at nine percent critics and forty four percent fans reviewers. I won't call them fans. Nine? Uh, nine. Nine. Yeah, that seems the, way low. The number under 10? Yes, for critics. Oof. Yeah. So the summary. During a babysitting gig, a high school student is harassed by an increasingly threatening prank caller. Even Congress has more than 9%. Is your refrigerator running? Because if it isn't, I'm going to kill the children. That's an increasingly threatening prank caller. You got <laughs> Prince word. Albert in a can? You're the worst prank caller. With along with the children. Stab your can. So this stars, and I use the word star real loosely. Camilla Bell as Jill Johnson, who I did not recognize from anything. She's definitely the star of the movie, though. She's definitely the person who speaks the most. Yeah, she's on. She's got the most screen time. Uh, I mean, she's got minor roles in a bunch of other stuff but yeah she's mostly a tv actress the the stranger was played by tommy flanagan who you really don't see until the end is he and he was not picture? voiced by tommy flanagan no that's in the trivia we'll get to that oh, okay 
Yep. What, Patrick? I was just asking if he was related to the picture from the Twee. Or the film director. Or the Irish drunk that I used to serve at the bar. His name was Mikey Flanagan. (laughs) All right. So Katie Cassidy, who plays her friend Tiffany, uh, was Chris Fowles in Nightmare on Elm Street, which is in Black Christmas. And uh, in Arrow, she played Black Siren, the TV show. Oh, okay. Tessa Thompson, obviously, playing... uh, just lost her name. Scarlet. Uh, Valkyrie. In Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. Thor Ragnarok. Among many, many, many other roles. She's on oh, yeah. Westworld now. She yeah. showed up like three times in stuff we've watched for this show. Yeah. Right. I, I, I really dig her. She's good. I do too. I'm glad she went on. Did stuff. Uh, Brian Garrity is Bobby. Clark Gregg. Who? Agent. Who shows up for a little bit in the beginning, being the dad-like guy and then a little bit at the end being the comforting dad like guy Derek DeLint as Dr. Mendrakis who sounds like he should be the villain of this movie (laughs) so he's done a lot of stuff but none of it's in English like in 2010 he did Bloder Vervanten oh yeah 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 Zorta Tulip Present check the children. Yeah, he do the check of the children. Uh, Kate Jennings Grant as his wife, and David Denman as Officer Burroughs. Now, you guys obviously recognized him from something. I don't know who this guy. The office. Was. It was the, the office. office. Yeah, the friggin' office again. <laughs> as soon as office. I saw him, I was he like, was "Holy the crap!" Office. He was impersonating he was, Super Tramp. I was just about to say he was also in Super Tramp. <laughs> All right, so trivia. Although The Stranger is played by Scottish-born actor Tommy Flanagan, the phone call voice is actually Lance Henriksen's voice. Oh. So the director thought that Henriksen's voice fit for the killer, but Flanagan's fit The Stranger's build, which really doesn't make much sense when you see Flanagan and Henriksen standing next to each other. Well, also, I think a lot of Tommy Flanagan's early roles, including this, uh, like his scars are real. Like mm-hmm. if you've seen him in other things and mm-hmm. that's why he frequently plays either killers or outlaws. Is got because it. He's got those scars. Yeah, I did not heavy. know that his scar was real. Oh, yeah. That makes that makes more sense then. Uh this this I put in here because why Camilla Bell had to do two months of weight training and learning how to run to prepare for the role of Jill. Before that, she just she walked everywhere <laughs> or skipped. <laughs> she yeah. did do a lot of running, not a lot of acting, but she did do a lot of running. Yeah, she just like, forward rolls into rooms. She, she just started running. She's, she moseyed everywhere. All right. Do you do you do you know how to uh, to run? No, but you can ride a horse, speak six languages, and and do gymnastics. Yes, but no running. No, I've never run. Have you ever walked? Yeah, I walk all the time. Well, do that really fast. What? What? What, what is I this concept? This, I can speed up. Ah, <laughs> uh, so then now here we have a and this last last point for trivia have today a really then. cool. We had to date it for one, but a very cool advertising for a very terrible movie. To promote the film, AOL Instant Messenger ran ads beckoning users to I am Jill 20306. When message Jill, a colloquialist style program, I'm guessing it's just like a, a chat bot 
type thing, uh, made small talk before panicking as she received calls from a stranger asking her to check the children. She then gave the user her phone number, which was a toll-free 877 number, and asked them to call her. When they called, they heard an ad for the movie. To coincide with the DVD release, a new screen name appeared, Jill 05, blah, 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 to tie in with the DVD release date in May 16, 2006. It didn't involve calling her. Instead, she directed the user to a video security system on the official DVD site, which shows shadows of the stranger passing by. So right off the kick, I'm, I don't think I agree with you that this was a very terrible movie. I also, the first time I saw this, I was impressed. I was like, wow, that was actually pretty good. Now there's one big fatal flaw with this movie that I think kind of ruined it uh, upon second viewing, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think we're, we're there. I mean, yeah, now's the time we're talking about the movie. Like the biggest issue is that, uh, the actress is not good. Like, it's a ma- most of the performances are actually upgrades from the original with the big exception of the downgrade for the person who's on the screen for 90% of the movie. And well, the, yeah, I mean, the psycho was worse, honestly, just because he would, he was just a random dude attacking people. You know, he, he, did, he didn't have any kind of anything to him. He was just a, a guy physically attacking. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that the original had anything of value beyond, like, uh, we and don't we, have an hour of boring shit explaining him wandering yeah, the streets homeless. But I, the, he he did a he was a better performance. He did a better performance in what was required of him than this guy as the stranger. Mm, I, I I think I disagree. Well. I mean, um, the, the guy stood in the shadows and did nothing but like physically attack her. There was nothing to his role other than being a stuntman. Uh, well, uh, I forgot what I was going to say now. I know I still have my, my point, but there was something else you guys brought up that now, um, well, the, the, oh, I remember the, the concept was for this was everybody always talks about the first 20 minutes of the original being, you know, kind of, chef's kiss that's the good the good stuff but they wanted to take that and expand it into a full movie which is what they were trying to accomplish here now the big mistake i feel that they made with this is that once you see that the kids are fine and they are out of peril pretty quickly what are the stakes at that point i mean the whole point of the first film it feels like is that this guy is so messed up in the head that he's literally going to rip apart two small children with his bare hands. Not that I want the kids to die, but it kind of defeated the purpose of the movie, in my opinion. I mean, he did murder two small children in the opening five minutes of the movie. Well, hey, well, did they say that it was two kids? Yeah, they, yeah, they, because they went and it threw me because the. They may have used the same set for both both scenes because there was that coloring page with the American flag on it where like half the stripes were colored uh, blue and half of them were colored something else that was on the door of the house in the very beginning and was also on the door of the kids' room in the doctor's house. So I thought it was the same house. I thought I thought the, the beginning was actually a flashback for a while. Oh. And I did think the house being so big and so elaborate with unfamiliar to the babysitter technology 
and lots of places for lights to automatically come on was super effective. Despite the fact that I, I thought that the main actress had negative talent, I felt that this was a more entertaining movie to watch, and uh, I was not falling asleep for half of it. I definitely feel like it was it was better in terms of uh, it was an upgrade in quality, and, and I think kind of stretching out the the concept was better. But they kind of got a little too. They started throwing other people into the into the frame just to have bodies. Mm-hmm. It was That's like they fair. were running out of plot points, so they had to have the the call from the party. They had to have the the friend show up. Yeah, yeah what, I mean, why? You know what? What I I mean, there was a lot of things I I didn't like this at all. Spoilers, you know, for the end, you know, yeah, I didn't care for this version at all because yeah, it, it took the the best part of the movie and stretched it out, which is not a you know a bad idea but in order to do that they didn't add anything of substance it was just a bunch of filler crap false drama oh we're gonna play the spooky music oh there's gonna be a jump scare oh oh, nothing's gonna happen oh oh oh, we are gonna do a jump scare you know i mean that was one of the things i liked about the first movie like i said it was subverting a lot of the tropes of of horror movies setting up these jump scares that it never used and creating an atmosphere this movie was just like no we're just gonna be all jump scares until we finally start killing things and then it's just going to be a, a, another slasher fic, w- pl- flick where so everybody's running around and the guy's chasing you and you're going to trip over things and fall down and have stupid excuses why you can't get away and blah, blah, blah. And see, well, she doesn't know how to run, Patrick. Yeah. You know, good thing she spent four months learning how to run. And I would agree with you if the first movie had been 20 minutes long. I'm not saying that the, the first movie didn't have its problems, but this movie did not solve any of those problems. Well, and it I solved the biggest disagree. one that it wasn't boring. I, mean, I, I was bored during a lot of this movie, to be honest with you. I'm not just saying that to be contrarian. I just, I really, I, it was going for way too many jump scares. I never felt any kind of tension or anything. It was just like, you know, what's going to be the latest thing that's going to, I didn't, I mean, it, was, it just felt like the whole movie was like the set of 13 ghosts where it was just, contrived set bullshit to come up with fake whatever's to, you know, it just, it, none of it rang true to me. And then some of the, some of the scary stuff, like the friend trying to leave and having to move the branch. It was a long wait for that payoff. Sure yeah. thing. Uh, everything involving her friend showing up was not good. I think most of the stuff that was effective is where her thought process was reasonable. She knows that there is a college-age kid that could be on the property that show, uh, shows up without telling his parents. She sees a light on. It's reasonable. Hey, I want to feel safe. I'm not sure there's actually a killer here, but there could be a creep lurking around. I'm going to see if I can find this guy. Oh, there's a light on upstairs. The housekeeper must actually be here. That's another reasonable thing to think when you think, oh, I'm just scaring myself because I'm alone. I I liked all of those things where you've got the cat setting off the uh, different automatic lights in the house, especially considering they pretty well established that she doesn't understand the technology of these ultra-rich people's home. it just felt like red herring and MacGuffin Manor to me. And Officer Roy was not very helpful. <laughs> the, he the was not very helpful. Both movies in the very in the in the beginnings were like, 
Oh, well, has he threatened you? No, but I'm alone in the house and this guy's freaking me out. You know, you th- we'd like to hope that the cops would be like, we'll just have someone come by. Yeah, but you know how many uh, babysitters call the cops? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't uh, know how <laughs> often you've actually interacted with police, but uh, they're more helpful than the actual police in both <laughs> films. Um, I, <laughs> if you call the real police, you, you half, half the time you're not even going to get an answer. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, though, in all three movies, they use the same music, which I thought was kind of cool. Not not necessarily the entire score, but just the main kind of sound that you would hear, like the sound effect uh, cue, the music cue, that, the steel drum stuff. That kind of that's like that. Like it was in the original, the original, the the sequel, and and they used it in a variation on, in this movie too. But anyway. Oh. Uh, who in the right mind has a fucking creepy ass statue at the top of the stairs that is poorly I, lit right off the beginning? <laughs> I was like, I am going to tell him that I thought somebody was here. I'm going to destroy that statue immediately. Yep. Yep. That, that was a bad place for that statue. Is that like to keep the kids from getting out of bed at night? <laughs> like, um, what's that? It could be. I mean, honestly, that's you better stay in bed. Otherwise the statue's going to get you. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, pretty obvious that the doctor and his wife have too much money. That's what apparently you spend it on when you have too much money. You definitely don't spend it on kids' toys because there wasn't a damn one to be found in that house. Right? Just the the koi pond, and that koi that pond. Rosa got koi ponded. There was there was no proof she that a kid koi. lived in that house until you opened up the bedroom doors. That's what well, he did when he, after he drowned the housekeeper. He's like, "You got koi'd," and and she didn't check the children. She, I mean, she checked the children. Like almost too much. Don't and be so coy. He only, he only asked her once, and it's like, you know, again, I, I don't want to see kids hurt, but I don't know. It, 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 it something felt kid. weird the about the kid's that. an asshole, you know. Well, yeah. and then right, I was gonna say right off the bat. Also, she does not exactly endear you to somebody who you want watching your kids. You lock the doors. Suddenly, she's in the bedroom trying on all your clothes. I mean, right. th- that's, uh, I, I think that's actually fairly realistic when you yeah, let a like, teenager like, into your house. Yeah, you, you, let a, you let a teenager in a house like that, the first thing you're going to do is explore. Like, what do these people What live can with? I get ready with? Yep. Yeah. Where's the and dildos? I think that the whole her immediately checking on the children and being uh, concerned about their well-being was addressing criticisms from the first one. It's like, what the hell is wrong with his babysitter that she doesn't check on the kids? She doesn't seem to give a shit. I think that uh, that this, maybe they overplayed it a little, but they were responding to that criticism. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, And I've seen this, this uh, concept used a couple different, in a couple different films. And um, All Hallows Eve, the first film with well, one of the first films with Art the Clown, who's now a big thing, uh, uses the same concept about, you know, the babysitter and the kids upstairs and checking the kids. Except in that one, the kids are horribly murdered and you see it. So, you know, I don't need it to go that far. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's scarier when it's implied. Yeah. Um, Especially when they describe it in the first one. It's fucking terrifying. So even you're not uh, down with the terrifier. I don't want to take us off too far. Like, oh. I know enough about the terrifier series to know I don't want to watch it. Yeah, I'm in the terrifier. same boat. It- and I loved All Hallows Eve. I like Art the Clown. I, he's a he's a very iconic. And uh, the guy that plays him, I'm friends with on Facebook. Super nice dude. 
really down to earth. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate it. I, I like it a lot. Now, I haven't seen they, the sequel yet, but they actually had a scene set for the kids that had gotten murdered in the beginning, but they didn't use it. Really interesting. Yeah. They probably knew that they could get away with uh, PG thirteen if they just cut a couple minutes. Yeah, that's pro. That that is exactly the reason why. I mean, because there's there's kind of a a unspoken rule in a lot of horror that you know violence towards kids and animals typically is not is kind of frowned upon. Uh, it's not something that they recommend or that they generally do. I mean, obviously there's. Or if you, want to com- if you want to communicate ultimate evil, you do one of those things. But mm-hmm. right, right. And, and there are movies that have crossed that line in graphic detail. Uh, but yeah, that's so wait, which you mean the beginning of this movie in 2006 or in the yeah. original? No, the beginning of this movie. They had already okay. shot the scene with the kids and they decided not to use it uh, just to get that PG-13. Huh. They just went with the guy's look, the cop's look on his face when he looked in there. I was going to say, because there wasn't anything else in the rest of the movie that was even, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this could have been PG. Yeah. Well, the, the the bag, the garbage bags full of body parts was a little much. Yeah, that probably pushes you to a 13. I do think that the uh, focus on mass market appeal in horror to get that PG-13 uh, has damaged the genre a little bit, where it seems a lot of stuff either is sanitized where nothing really happens or they're like, well, screw it. We can't get PG 13. So let's go full art. The clown let's go torture porn. Right. There's no happy medium. I mean, it's, it's entirely plausible to make a, a good horror film either way, either direction you go, whether you go extreme, you go middle of the road or you go light. I mean, jaws is PG. Poltergeist is PG, um, you know, and there's been PG 13 movies that they made that were worthwhile, but on the whole, I mean, I kind of agree. I mean, there's a, depending on what your audience you want and, and what kind of film you want to create. Uh, well, sometimes shit, you Fanta- have to. Fantasia is G and it has that, that fucking scene in it. It's pretty terrifying. Pretty terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, with like terrifier, just to circle back around, I mean, that one does take it to a, a, a little farther than most people are. And the, the new one, especially uh, people are your average list or uh, audience member is going to be okay with. And, you know, that's its own kind of thing. You know, there's. Yeah. I appreciate that that sort of thing exists. I have no interest in watching it. And that's, that's, that's the way it should be, you know? There's something like I, you know, I'm not real big on musicals, but there are some that I'll watch and I'll give anything a chance, you know, watch anything once or, once or twice. See if it's maybe it'll, maybe it'll strike my fancy. It takes three or four times to make you gay. So wait, wait, did, did I say what? that out loud? You definitely weren't thinking it. <laughs> oh, I was thinking it. <laughs> Apparently you were thinking it. I don't know where to take this. I I don't know where to go either. Yeah. I I don't know. Like, I don't think that this can be really remade again. Because uh, 2006, where you've got... Uh, uh, we were remarking when Sarah and I watched this that it really dates itself when she talks about going over her minutes. Yes. You know, right. right? Uh, I, I feel like everyone has a smartphone. Utterly ruins this movie. 
Uh, off yeah. the top, I yeah. kind of uh, alluded to that. Like, there is a caller ID scene, but like, you don't have the landlines. Everyone's got a cell phone. Well, then that's a good question. Can is there a way feasibly to make a an analog of this film now, or would you have to, if you're going to remake this, go back and make it something set, make it a you know an eighties a retro feel? Well, you would probably have to do something like, you know, the, from the very beginning, the the whole house or the whatever is out of electricity somehow. Like the power goes out. It's a major storm. Something like that. Yeah. And we see that occasionally. It's like, hey, I built this in an area where it's, there's not good cell phone reception because I don't like them. It, it's a little hacky, but you can do that. I almost wonder if like the modern horror where you have uh, the evil chat room or the evil internet is sort of the uh, evolution of this theme. Or, you know, I mean, there, there are ways to do it because like it could be some kind of thing where you find out, Oh, here we go. I just, here we go. You know, they've got those apps where you can change the number that where it looks like somebody else is calling you. You can, so like this guy, for it. Yeah, like you can you can literally on an iPhone, it's an app you can download and you can you can make it you know if 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 somebody's in your contact list, you can make it look like it's coming from a different contact there rather than your own phone. So you can put somebody in your contact list and make a call. So you can put somebody in there like saying that this is the police, this is the whatever, and like you, they're isolated in this house somehow and they don't know it, and they keep making these calls to the cops and they're actually talking to the dude the whole time, and then finally somehow somebody gets through and be like, uh, you have no outside line blah 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 who have you been talking to boom that's the i want to say the uh uh protagonist calls to the cops and has been talking to the killer the whole time I, I maybe joel knows the movie but that feels familiar to me well i mean it was it was a, a plot line in a in a heist movie you know that they've mm. done where in, in one of the oceans 11 where they thought they were calling and talking to the cops i could have sworn i saw it in horror once maybe yeah i haven't seen as much horror as you guys have I mean, you, you theoretically with everybody having like, like, you know, we have a ring doorbell system, you know, the ring cameras. Uh, if you had somebody that had like a ring system in their house, you could have the, the, you know, the person alone, uh, you know, receiving yeah, phone calls. He's a murderer slash hacker. Well, you have somebody that's calling and saying, you know, if you leave the house, we're, we're going to do something bad to whatever. Um, and somehow, you know, you convince them to stay indoors. That's your first setup. And then instead of having them, the police trace the call back, they just happen to look on the, you know, they, they get a notification from the ring system that there's movement and you, they see them walk past the kid's room or something like that. And then you know that they're inside the house already. Next yeah. on Netflix, Murder Hacker. <laughs> Starring Matthew Lillard as serial killer. That's for Jeff. Cer- serial <laughs> slacker. Oh. Uh. Huh? Mm. Nah. <laughs> well, do you think we've reached thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we'd better wrap this up before we ruin Halloween for everyone but Joel. Yeah. Patrick. Uh, I think I'm pretty obvious on this one. Thumbs up for the first one, despite its flaws, and thumbs down for the first one, or for the for the new one. <laughs> Thumbs, thumbs up for the first one, thumbs down for the remake because it was, it was just not good. I don't, I don't mean it was a lot of a lot of flash and no substance. Uh, 
equally unsurprising by a bad actress. <laughs> equally unsurprising. Uh, my ratings are exactly the opposite. Thumbs down for the original and thumbs up for the remake. Although I will agree that the actor, lead actress in the remake was awful. Joel. Uh, well, I, I, uh, I feel like the, the original being called a classic is, is a little unwarranted. However, I feel like that opening sequence definitely puts it, you know, borderline. So it's a thumbs up for the original. It's a thumbs up for the sequel. And I actually enjoy the remake, even if it's got some pretty big flaws that uh, knock it down a couple pegs. I'm going to give thumbs up for the original if I only have to watch the first and last 20 minutes. And thumbs down for the remake. I did not enjoy the remake. So Nothing at all, huh? Nothing at all. I was so afraid I was going to be the only one. I'm like, how can everybody like that? (laughs) <laughs> I, got, I, I got nothing on that one. Was no. But in the meantime, it was very blah. Blah. I wouldn't mind living in that house. That's about it. Yeah. That house the, the, to burst. I think it would even get old. Out, I think that would even get old after a while. It's just too much. Well, here's the thing. That house is actually just a studio in real life. And that pond that looked like it was outside in, in the front of it is uh, like a sewage retention retention pond. Hmm. I think we going to say it was like a porn studio. Maybe. I don't know. Just said studio and what I saw. It looks like it could definitely be used for some on-location porn shooting. All right. So uh, if you have any comments about anything but that, uh, you can <laughs> give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And if, and you're, if you uh, want to talk about that, just hit me up. We can talk all about it. Yep. Uh, If you're looking for a back catalog of shows, you can find them on your favorite podcast apps such as Blueberry or Pandora. You can also, uh, if you like the show, go over to Apple, Google, or Amazon Podcasts. Give us a share. Give us a review. We appreciate all that stuff. Joel, what do we got coming up next? Hair, hair, long, beautiful hair. I don't know how the lyrics are to that, but we're all getting naked and we're talking about hair. Um, Wait, not getting naked was an option? Uh. No, <laughs> I'm not sure um, I do that anymore. Right? <laughs> what just happened? Uh, but yeah, we're we're talking about uh, hair and all its forms. Um, it's a memory show, and also just to tease you a little bit, we're going to be talking about Quantum Leap, Lord of the Rings, and the Rings of Power, and maybe we'll be doing some other fun stuff. And we have another horror movie at some point to uh, right. Eventually, road October maybe. has to come again. Yeah. Oh no, you owe me one for Hocus Pocus, so. I'm just marking that at the end of this October. Hey, Hocus Pocus could make the devil come through your TV. It was a legitimate uh, horror movie. (laughs) Hey, no backseats. You guys already made me a promise. This isn't my lunch. (laughs) This I don't know you. I don't know you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We're going to Mendy's, Jerry. (laughs) Soup's not a meal. Exactly. All right. Everybody, thank you very much for listening, and we will be back next week. Have you choked the children? I mean, checked them. Can you can can I just call you back? <laughs> oh, sorry, wrong number. Yeah.
Yeah, I guess it's a topic. Yeah, All right. that's a topic. Yeah, we got we got legs. Good job, whoever yeah, it was. You're welcome. Patrick. You're welcome. Oh, yeah. good job. Oh, that sounds weird. Good job, Patrick. You think you think it sounds weird to you? Think how it sounds to me. <laughs> He's never heard it what, before. What's this? What is this feeling? Oh my god! I think I may. I think I may have. I may be feeling pride. I think. I think I caught pride. <laughs>